about 90% of people have really reliable changes to their brain. There's lots of good evidence, research evidence, that neurofeedback upregulates plasticity. Uh, so would caffeine. I know you're not caffeinated right now, but th this is a very similar kind of shift we'd see in caffeine, alerting your brain and suppressing some slow brain waves. Okay. So even without caffeine, you're getting some of that same effect just from the Siltep, which is interesting. Would not be strategies for you personally for right. performance. Yeah, for was, some people, those are those are massive performance enhancers. Right, and that was going to be my follow-up, is you know, just because it doesn't work for me doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. It Absolutely. Just, just means your brain doesn't work with my brain. Need that kind of help, and probably would get pushed in the wrong direction. Right. Um, and actually, you have low beta on this right area involved with supervisory attention. That was the area we trained up today in uh, with neurofeedback. Okay. So if you did that for a few a few sessions a week for a few weeks, you would start to get a much crisper, more laser-like, controllable attention, like at your voluntary sort of willful control. It's a combined ADHD. It's a spectrum, it's not a binary thing. Absolutely, and, it's, and that's a really good point. It's not just a pathology. The type of attention you have is one that's good at noticing things, being aware, um, and when you're a little distractible, you notice too much maybe. Yeah. But if you're a hunter in a busy environment, that's what you want to be. If right. you're a farmer sitting weeding plants, this is not ideal. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks. Natural Stacks makes 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal performance into your life, check out naturalstacks.com. Brian Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is he's the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncy's an innovator. What's up, Optimal Performers? You are here on the OPP. I'm your host, Ryan Muncie. I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the OPP. Uh, we've got a really cool episode for you today. I am excited to share this one with you. And as always, thank you for listening. Uh, be sure that you go to naturalstacks.com. You will be able to see the video version of this. We've got great video footage from the entire uh, uh, for the entire episode, as you'll hear in just a second. Uh, so make sure you go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to click on a lot of the uh, links and resources to the things that we talk about on this episode. Um, make sure you go to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you like the show. And as always, please share the OPP, this episode specifically, but the podcast in general, with the people in your life who you know will benefit from the things that we're doing and talking about here. Uh, so this episode, like I said, is a really cool episode. It's different. We are not doing the uh, single interview on Skype with an expert. Um, over the last few weeks, I've gotten to do a lot of travel. A few weeks ago, I was in Los Angeles at Peak Brain Institute, where we did some QEEG brain scans, learned a lot about neurofeedback. Uh, last week, I was in Finland for the Biohacker Summit. I actually spoke uh, about neurofeedback and uh, wrote about my top takeaways from that trip and the, the biohacking scene in Finland in our recent Natural Stacks newsletter. So if you're not on that newsletter, make sure you go to naturalstacks.com, sign up to receive that newsletter so you don't miss any of that valuable content like that. Uh, but like I said, at the summit, I spoke about neurofeedback. Um, the talk was a lot about training our brains for altered states and training traits so that we can develop the type of brain that we want for optimal performance. Uh, in Finland, there was also a two-day off-site event. I got to hang out with a lot of uh, world-class biohackers, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, Ben Greenfield, Jesse Lawler, Maximilian uh, Goetzler from Flowgrade. And uh, on the final day that I was in Finland, I went to the biohacking center um, where I got to hang out with Miko and our distributor, Danny, from Be Limitless, as well as Simu, who is one of the co-founders of Ambernite. You're going to hear a really cool talk that we recorded with those guys. Uh, Simu also took me to a traditional Finnish sauna and a frozen uh, pond up there where we did some thermogenesis uh, biohacking. Um, so it was a really fun trip, a lot of stuff to share with you. 
Uh, one of the things that I want you to take, uh, going to hit you with one of the big takeaways right now from the beginning. So um, make sure you kind of keep this in mind, meditate on this as you listen to this episode. And this is that the brain waves in our head, your thoughts, your emotions are inextricably linked to your experience of the world. The exciting thing about this is that we have the ability to control them. We can do this through short-term altered states and long-term training of traits. And that's a lot of what I spoke about on stage in Finland, and it's a lot of what you'll hear from Dr. Hill while I'm at Peak Brain. It's a lot of what you'll hear in our discussion of neurofeedback at the Biohacking Center. So this entire podcast was filmed on location, like I said, part of it in Finland, part of it in Los Angeles. So you're going to see kind of me going through the learning stages and the process of it with Dr. Hill at Peak Brain, as well as some of the, the educational stuff and the talking and the sharing at the Biohacking Summit in Finland and at the Biohacking Center. Uh, so you're going to hear the benefits, the applications of neurofeedback. You're going to hear us comparing neurofeedback units. Uh, and again, it's all interspersed with footage from the actual trip. So sit back, enjoy this one. And uh, like I said, go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the video version of this. Go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. And please share the OPP with people you know who will benefit from uh, what we're talking about and what we're doing here. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the other side. Mikko at the Biohacking Center with cool guys. We got Danny Runanen from Be Limitless. Hey guys. Simo Suonheimo from Ambronite. And the one and only Ryan Munsi from Natural Stacks. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought we'll do a little bit of an extempore video. Uh, we were discussing about the neurofeedback machines and oh yes our experiences with it and we just got back from the biohacking biohacker summit these guys were also in the offside event which i heard was cool oh yeah lots of sauna cold exposure through dipping in an icy uh icy uh river actually nice did you did you actually like swim underneath some ice or uh, that we didn't do it wasn't it wasn't nice yeah, 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 yeah but we just did a today uh, we did a smoke sauna with Ryan and and there we had some serious ice in the lake yes I don't know the name of the place or where it was who's the enemy mm -hmm. the, the pond had ice on it nice and we were talking about neurofeedback uh, we have a neurofeedback here and then I think we got started with I was sort of explaining or comparing it to meditation and uh, you were asking like, how is it different from a meditative experience? And then, Ryan, you were saying uh, with your experiences, I think you have tried a different machine than what I have here, but. Yeah, so the one that I've done is neurofeedback. Uh, it's not a product in itself, like Neurooptimal is a standalone product. Right. You can go buy Neurooptimal. Um, I did neurofeedback with Dr. Andrew Hill, a neuroscientist who runs Peak Brain Institute. Mm. And it's in LA, it's in LA. Uh, they have four locations. Oh, okay. One's in LA. Um, they've got some satellite places in Newport Beach, I think San Diego and St. Louis. Mm -hmm. um, but the cool thing about what they do is that no matter where you live, if you go spend a week with him, you can get a QEEG that gives you a baseline reading of mm. your brain waves. And then he can actually customize a neurofeedback plan for you just the same way a personal trainer would write a workout program. Mm. And then you can buy the neurofeedback equipment you know, from them and they can teach you how to set it up, connect everything, mm -hmm. and then you can log on and, and he would plan your neurofeedback sessions for you mm -hmm. based on the readings from your QEEG which I think is the most important way to do any type of neurofeedback because without that initial baseline, mm -hmm. that tells you what you need to train to get back into a favorable balance. Mm -hmm. Without that, there's a possibility that you're doing more damage than good. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you're training like you know, to upregulate theta and you don't need that, you actually need to go the other way, then you're taking yourself farther away from that spot that you're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. So 
it's really important, I think, to get a, a baseline QEEG. It's my understanding from NeuroOptimal, I've only tried it once, but it's my understanding that you do get some sort of a baseline mm -hmm. at the beginning of each session, mm -hmm. and then that session is tailored to that original or that, that baseline reading at the beginning yeah. of the day. Mm -hmm. So it's more of, with NeuroOptimal, my understanding, it's more of what you need on that specific day, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not as familiar with that. So that's, again, that's just my yeah, understanding. Yeah. But with neurofeedback in general, and this is the thing that I think makes it so hard for biohackers like us to kind of grasp, we like biohacks that we can control, that we can say, okay, I'm doing this action and I'm getting this result. Now, I'm in control of this experiment. Mm -hmm. Where neurofeedback, you're not in control. Uh, you're getting biofeedback directly to your brain from the system but it's kind of it's cutting out your your actual your conscious mind. What it is mm. is more of either a slap on the wrist or a pat on the back. Mm. So when you're the the one that I did was uh, you see a spaceship flying on the screen, mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's different ways. You know, mm -hmm. some of them can be like a ball going back and forth, or there, there's different visual uh, interfaces. Mm -hmm. But with the one I did with the spaceship. If the spaceship was going and you had the trail of smoke or exhaust behind it, that was a pat on the back okay. saying to my brain, you are producing the brainwave environment that I want you to produce. Mm -hmm. And the I being the, the training protocol for that day. Mm -hmm. um, now for me, based on my QEEG, my alpha to beta brainwave ratio was too high in favor of alpha. And that tends to lead to inattention mm. or that old diagnosis of ADD. Mm. So what we were trying to do with mine specifically was to upregulate beta or downregulate alpha, but to bring that balance into a more favorable scenario. Yeah. So then the, the, the slap on the wrist is if, if my brain strays from that environment, the spaceship would stop or it would mm. crash or the screen goes black. So when you're doing this, there's there's some of them that like, um, like I know with Muse, for example, mm -hmm. um, like one of the interfaces is either a rainforest or, or a beach. And if you're doing the right way, if your brain is going the right way, then you hear birds chirping or waves crashing. And if your brain strays and starts to do, uh, you know, go, produce more of the brain waves that we don't want, mm -hmm. the slap on the wrist is the sound of a storm. Mm. So the feedback, like the thing that you hear, the experience that you have is actually the, the feedback saying, you know, pat on the back or slap on the wrist, like either keep doing this or stop doing that. Mm. So you, but you can't consciously focus on that or do it as much. Now with Muse, you can, it's a, it's a slightly different setup than like NeuroOptimal mm -hmm. or um, uh, what I've done at Peak Brain. Right. But that's, it, it's, it's a very, it's a passive thing. Mm -hmm. Really, the only active thing is setting aside the time and making sure that you actually engage in this practice. Right, right. The cool thing about it is that, you know, like with, with the unit from Peak Brain and what Dr. Mm -hmm. Hill does remotely, if I had that at home, I could be doing it right now while we're having this conversation. Oh, okay. Or I could be doing it while I'm working. I don't have to set aside 20 or 30 minutes mm. and do nothing. Right, okay. I can actually do it while I'm doing anything else. Mm, so I think that's a really cool uh, aspect because mm -hmm. it makes it easier to implement. Cool. Okay, so we're shifting gears. We're going from Finland to LA. This is me with Dr. Hill at Peak Brain learning some of the stuff you just heard me explaining about QEEG and neurofeedback. Um, you know, I mentioned in Finland and, and on stage, you know, when I was talking about how difficult it is for uh, the, the biohacker, the type A person, the, the I want to control everything type of person to really understand that neurofeedback is not something that you can control yourself. Uh, and you'll hear me really, really struggle to grasp this uh, with Dr. Hill. So I think this is really interesting to, to both see me go through this, but also to hear me talking about it with other people after the fact. So here you guys go. I guess my understanding is like you do you would do an initial consult like this and you get the baseline readings and then you 
plan like a, a protocol based on what you find here? Yeah, exactly. So the QEG, the brain mapping process, gets some baselines of your brain activity and compares it to a normative database that tells me how unusual you are, right? And then from that we figure out of the other ways in which we you're know, unusual. We know, it's we, unusual. We, we, we know you're pretty unusual, yeah. Right. Um, and of the ways in which you're unusual, uh, some of those patterns might mean something clinical or bottleneck in performance. You might okay. see issues with attention regulation or stress regulation right. or <clears throat> you know, switching your attention or something. Um, but the QEG process is not diagnostic. It gives me a hint instead of an actual like you know, MRI read or something. This okay. is more of a statistical pattern than an actual neuroimaging. So how does the diagnostic portion come in? Is that just like it's the saying where it's like it's, it's not the Indian, it's, or it's not the arrow, it's the Indian, and that's you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, to some extent, we look at the brain activity and we say, okay, these patterns can mean X, Y, or Z. And when they're more statistically unusual, it's more likely they will mean X, Y, or Z, but brains are quite individual. And so we might find some differences that mean something that makes a lot of sense to you, or we might not. Um, usually about 90% of the unusual weirdness we see in a brain are things that really make sense to the person. We'll see impulsivity, and oh, okay, yeah, I'm impulsive. We'll see sleep onset problems, and oh, that makes lots of sense. But also might see three or four things that where we can't necessarily peg them into a little you know pigeonhole. Gotcha. So, but this is our dry EEG system. So it's a fairly high end, one of the sort of highest end cutting tech uh, headsets we have in the market these days. About a twenty five thousand dollar device. Um, so we'll get you going, and I'm gonna bring my technician Jessica in, who's our neurofeedback coordinator in the Los Angeles office. Right. So uh, Jessica, come on in, and we'll have you set uh, Ryan up. Have grab a seat, sir. And uh, you don't have to do much. This should not hurt in the slightest, but it might be a little, little weird. So uh, let us know if we pinch your ears or hair or anything. Okay. Otherwise, it'll take about 10 minutes to set up the, the cap. Okay. And then Jessica will have you sit with eyes closed for several minutes and eyes open. And we'll gather two different sets of baselines and use those as the database comparator. Okay. So, and I guess we're going to do this a couple days from now with Siltep in your system as well yes. and see how that changes the baseline read. So, um, the baseline reads are pretty coarse, so 10,000 foot view. They often don't change dramatically. Okay. So we might see something on Friday uh, in a couple of days. We might not, but either way, we'll have two solid, clean reads on you that will give us a sense of how your brain works. We can talk about that. And then, so if I wanted to, to train yeah. you know, going forward, you have systems in place where I can train even, like, so I'm in Virginia, you're in yeah. LA. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we do. We have a remote training system. Doesn't not the most appropriate for every client. If you're profoundly impaired, you can't probably train yourself. Right. But yes, uh, we have sort of remote systems. We teach you how to use it, teach you how to stick wires to your head, awesome. and then uh, monitor what you're doing sort of weekly and check in, do chart review, give you new things to try, okay. get you moving sort of closer and closer to goals. So, like, you have a bunch of different rooms here in yeah. the office, and I mean, I, I realize you can't talk about other patients, yeah. but yeah. I mean, I see other people in here, and, and they're not in this room, they're not getting readings, they're going straight to playing games. Is that the neurofeedback that's part of that protocol after the initial reading exactly. to do the training? Yeah, so we start with the brain map, and we try to figure out the unusual patterns and which of them actually are related to the bottlenecks you care about performance-wise. And then you come in and you exercise those patterns a few times a week, and over several weeks the patterns change and you get a different experience of performance. But yeah, we start off with the brain map always, and then we do brain mapping every other month at the, at the least to see how your brain changes as we push it around. But the brain mapping process is pretty stable. It doesn't change even year after year after year unless you have head injuries, medication changes, just significant meditation practice, do neurofeedback. But beyond that, brain mapping or QEEG is stable across really years and years and years. So we don't have to do the mapping all that often. We can get a sense of what's going on and then train the brain in the neurofeedback rooms or the remote trainers with their own systems. So then when somebody comes out of that neurofeedback training room, yeah. you know, it, if, if I came in in the morning before work or before school and I tend to be impulsive or inattentive, yeah. if yeah. I came out and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm relaxed, I'm focused, how, sh how long-lasting are those effects? It's a great question. Um, we don't think of neurofeedback necessarily as training state. It can shift your state so you feel different walking in, walking out. But really we're going after traits and resources. So it's more like you get a trajectory of change over a few months. Mm -hmm. And after a couple of weeks of that, you can dial in a state sometimes. Oh, you know, I'm stressed, I want to relax, or I'm a little impulsive, I need to get a little more self-control. But really we're looking at the changes over weeks versus over hours. And so you might get a nice change, you do it in the morning before work, but that's sort of not really the point. It's really to get the, the resource different to change over time. Okay. All right, so QEEG readings have been taken. Now here's Dr. Hill with my results. 
they, they look pretty straightforward, so I've just shown the eyes open ones. This, you have no head, I mean, this, I usually have seven or eight or ten pages I go through. Okay. But I look for things like head injuries and other things, concussions. None of that showed up, so this is actually the only page that I think interesting. The alpha, the red spots are, hey Bill, you can go and work with John and me, I've already set your equipment to repeat for you today. So alpha was the spots are about three standard deviations above average. The red, this is the scale. You also see that asymmetry is higher in the back and lower in the front than typical. The asymmetry is still there, and the pattern, the sort of inverted V, is still there. Mm -hmm. But if you look, it's actually sh these dots have shrunk, and this dot, relative power, was red and is now orange, which means it's one less standard deviation out of range. Okay. So these aren't all that dramatic. These are basically inattentive ADHD patterns where you probably get stuck in neutral at times or you get absorbed internally and it's hard to sort of shift gears out to the outside world. Right. Um, and that's basically a neutral phenomenon. Your brain's stuck in neutral a little bit. Okay. Um, and much less so. So. And just for the record, that was Wednesday with no. Yeah, this is this control. is the, this is no this is totally clean brain and this is the Siltep brain. The interesting thing is that when I dose Siltep at home and regularly, I'm only taking one pill. Uh -huh. And the dose, recommended dose, is like three. Uh -huh. You took one yesterday, I, one today? I took one pill. Great. So that's that's what I get yeah. from one pill. Yeah. Uh -huh. a, a drop by a solid standard deviation. And actually, these see this, this right most uh, kind of blob yeah. has shrunk down to almost to about half as big. So the amount of cortex stuck in ADD, if you will, right. has dramatically been reduced. That's so that's really, really phenomenal. So I guess a question here: You mentioned the, the asymmetry. Yeah, it's, back it's to the, the front. same. What's it's the this, same. That means your that? brain, your brain has too much posterior uh, eyes open alpha. It's hard for you to shift your visual attention. Okay. Um, but it's still not quite as dramatic as it as it is now. Okay. Uh, this is eyes open, where we see executive function. Eyes closed, we often see more stress markers. But the patterns actually look very similar. So here's your eyes closed map. Uh, this right front is actually noise, so ignore that. Okay. But that was some, some blinks uh, okay. two days ago. But the alpha is real, this, this thing here. Right. That's absolute power, that's relative power, the percent of signal. So this is a really solid stripe of relative alpha through your cortex that's now broken up. Right. And fairly good distribution across the whole cortex, it's now focal. So eyes open or eyes closed, your brain was making a little excess alpha, and that's dropped back into range more, about half of the way I'd want it to go. For. And I guess just to reiterate, you know, since we're, we're going to show this to people who, you know, like we said in the room, don't have my understanding, yeah. much less your understanding yeah. Yeah. Of, of neuroscience. I mean, excess alpha brain waves is stuck in neutral, a little bit of inattention, ADD. Basically, and, yeah. And that's, yeah. we wouldn't want to supplement with a nootropic that's going to increase yeah, alpha if, brain if waves. Yeah, if you took an alpha boosting compound, it would make you less performant. It would make you more ADD, more inattentive, more spacey, more drifty, right. more kind of checked out. And so for you, the GABAergic class of things wouldn't be all that useful, right. it looks like. Like yeah. L-theanine is not going to be your friend for concentration. You don't make a lot of, you don't make excess stress brain waves, so L-theanine or alpha-ergic, if you will, things aren't necessarily beneficial. Things that bring up beta and suppress theta and suppress alpha are what you would want to do. And Siltep did bring your brain a little bit in that direction. Uh, so would caffeine. I know you're not caffeinated right now, but th this is a very similar kind of shift we'd see in caffeine, alerting your brain and suppressing some slow brain waves. Okay. So even without caffeine, you're getting some of that same effect just from the Siltep, which is interesting. Are there any other beta-boosting nootropics or compounds? Um, uh, the race tan class tends to reduce slow brain waves and increase faster brain waves, yes. So, so if you took Racetam or Oxyracetam or something, you would have this alpha drop away a little bit further, um, probably more actually than this. Um, it'd be interesting to, to, to check, but yeah. Um, yeah, things that promote alpha, things like cranial electrostim or L-theanine, would not be strategies for you personally for right. performance. Yeah, for was, some people, those are those are massive performance enhancers. Right, and that was going to be my follow-up. Is you know just because it doesn't work for me doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. It Absolutely, just, just means your brain doesn't work with my doesn't brain need chemistry. that kind of help and probably would get pushed in the wrong direction right. from alpha promoting or GABAergic kind of compounds. And that's the thing that I, I don't think the general public understands about nootropics is everybody wants to say, well, is this good or is this one better than this one? It's what's best for you yeah. and for the use or application that you need it. Yeah, and I think there are some nootropics, some strategies supplemental-wise that are good for most people. But I also think that you often have to dial in what works for one individual based on what their brain starts with. I mean, if you started with a lot of you know hypervigilance and posterior anxiety markers, mm -hmm. then you would want alpha-promoting GABAergic compounds. Right. 
It would actually make you put you in a flow state instead of a busy mind. Right. But since you're a little bit stuck in awareness yeah. and not concentration, shutting down just gentle resting awareness and boosting concentration would be ideal. Um, and actually, you have low beta on this right area involved with supervisory attention. That was the area we trained up today in, uh, with neurofeedback. Okay. So if you did that for a few, a few sessions a week, for a few weeks, you would start to get a much crisper, more laser-like controllable attention, like at your voluntary sort of willful control. It is a little bit low. There's a little bit of, you know, high, low beta and high alpha is sort of an ADD kind of brain pattern. Um, again, we wouldn't diagnose from this, but it's congruent. If you're experiencing some inattention historically, right. yeah. probably should believe this data. So. Right. I do believe it because right. that's because it like pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. So uh, you would have some gains. You know, shutting this down over time with the neurofeedback, which would probably take about two months, would produce a different set of resources where you'd be like, just a lot more on, crisp, alert, in control, less distractible, less spacey. So awesome. And probably get some better sleep too. Awesome. Uh, as you train these things down. So. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. That's really cool. Thanks for taking me through. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Is this fast frequencies, excess connectivity in fast frequencies, and low, slow frequencies. Mm -hmm. This is the pattern you get when you drink chronically every single day for many, many years. Um, this person was not drunk. They were sober. But this is an acquired damage pattern from being an excessive drinker. Okay. Um, this is the same guy after 30 sessions of training. After about two weeks, he was falling asleep beautifully um, at will with no meds. And for years, he'd been doing bottle and a half of wine, out of it, and an ambient every single night to get like two hours sleep. And after two weeks of training, no, no meds, no alcohol, no drugs, and he was able to fall asleep at will pretty much from then on. So That's amazing. Um, and these aren't like cherry-picked best cases. These are just the average person I work with. Right. About 90% of people have really reliable changes to their brain. So like ADD, both of these, the alpha excess is yeah. ADD, and the theta excess is ADHD. Okay. There's no longer a legitimate diagnosis called ADD. There hasn't been since 1987 or something. So it's all ADHD, but it's ADHD with hyperactive impulsivity, or ADHD with inattention. So the impulsivity is too much theta. Impulsivity is lack of inhibition, is, is, is the brakes are off, is theta excess. Okay. Inattention, hard times shifting gears and concentrating, is an alpha excess okay. combined, and many people have both. Yeah. It's a combined ADHD. It's a spectrum. It's not a binary thing. Absolutely, and, it's, and that's a really good point. It's not just a pathology. The type of attention you have is one that's good at noticing things, being aware. Um, and when you're a little distractible, you notice too much, maybe. Yeah. But if you're a hunter in a busy environment, that's what you want to be. If right. you're a farmer sitting weeding plants, this is not ideal. Right. But you're not tuned. You don't have a brain that's useful for weeding plants. Right. You're more of a hunter and somebody who can kind of see the big vistas and the big picture. Yeah. Um, it's only pathology because it doesn't fit into a cubicle. Right. You know, not because it's a problem. Right. So uh, we can still tune resources to fit your demands and lifestyle, but I wouldn't call this pathology. So it's a hint of that right. inattentive resource that tends to show up. And I think that's something that's lost on, and this is kind of a, a, a tangent, but lost on a lot of people. Like, yeah, I really like the way you say it. it's not a pathology. Yeah, Sim it's a spectrum. It's right. a normal yeah. variant. Like, yeah. It's only a pathology because it doesn't allow Johnny to sit in second grade exactly. you know, chair and you know, go to school. But you know, eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds are not supposed to sit for 12 That's hours right. a day. That's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Okay, guys. So you heard really, really fascinating and exciting results for us in regards to how Siltep with a single dose can reduce inattention by a standard deviation on QEEG readings. Now, we are pursuing further studies with QEEG readings and Dr. Hill. Uh, Siltep is also in two university studies right now with the world's leader in PDE4 inhibition to uh, test and study the effects of increased focus and, and boosting long-term memory. So stay tuned for all those results in the near future. And now on this podcast, we're going to look at some neurofeedback sessions with Dr. Hill and then continue that conversation in Finland at the Biohacking Center. We are going to target uh, the right motor strip, which is an area involved with supervisory attention. So each hemisphere of your brain um, monitors the opposite side of space, but then they have to be stitched together last minute by another part of your brain. That's for the right uh, is that do that. And so we often start there. It okay. seems to work best for column focus and a few other things. Craniometric set of landmarks, which means using bones in your skull to find where it goes. And we will give you a spaceship to fly. Yeah. Do you have a preference on ship? Uh, oh, bottom right. It's in here? Yeah. Cool. 
All right, so what's happening is you're, we're measuring a certain set of brain waves off the right motor cortex minus your left ear, which gets kind of a stripe across the head like this, Ryan. And we're measuring different frequencies off the raw brain waves. Slow brain waves, meaning theta, are essentially distraction. When those go up, the ship stops. And when high frequency beta, which is muscle tension or mental tension, goes up, the ship also stops. But when those two frequencies go down and your calm focus goes up, the music track gets louder, the ship surges ahead, and it zips, the exhaust gets longer. Basically, things happen when slow brainwaves go down, very, very fast brainwaves go down, and medium brainwaves go up. So you can see the, the ship stopping and starting. So it only runs smoothly when your brain's trending in one direction, and it pauses if your brain is not. So there's not much to do, just enjoy. And we'll do like a 20, 25 minute session today. So this is live right now? Yeah, this is you. That's why you, 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 you moved and it saw a noise, so it shut down for a second. Okay. So yeah, this is your brain driving the ship. Absolutely. So let's, let's run him uh, to 24 and then stop and stop the timer, so. So is there something that I should try to- No, it's an involuntary process. Okay. It's reflecting what your brain is doing, not under direct control of your brain. So it's kind of a mirror holding up uh, what your brain's doing to the brain. Okay. So you aren't really in voluntary control of it, but the ship only moves when your brain does some things. But those things are, are happening in time course that is too fast for you to really perceive, let alone control. So if you're using this as like a training uh, modality, yep. you know, to long term, the idea is that we're, we're trying to make our, get our brain to a state where we have those long bursts. No, of no the goal is to, change, is to build the resources that I've tied the burst to. So you're never gonna have an experience of control because the software's adaptive, it always adjusts next to where you are. Okay. But it only zips forward or surges and reward when your brain does certain things. Over several days, the brain realizes, oh, when I drop theta and rise low beta, I get more input from the environment. And so it starts to build resources to do that. Okay. But it's not, you'll never have the experience of control because the software's adaptive. So it always adjusts next to where you are right. and then moves properly whenever your brain happens to shift in the right direction temporarily. Okay. So, it's going, good job, brain. Whenever it moves in one direction, it withholds that applause by stalling the ship and muting the music, basically. Okay, okay, gotcha. Common that people are like, what am I supposed to be doing? This is not a voluntary process. It's just reflecting things that are already happening internally. Yeah, so I, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, what am I supposed to be doing, not in terms of this, but like in my head? Nothing, you aren't in control of this. You can't control this voluntarily with what you think or how you focus. So, I mean, should I just be like thinking about my day? Or it doesn't matter. Like, you can be unconscious and it would work. Really? This is not a voluntary process. You can be completely retarded, nonverbal, sitting in a chair, doing this, having no language, it would still work. You're doing you could this? be in a coma, it would work. So, so it doesn't, like, it's, it's, not a, it's not an active training in my brain, like. I mean, not in your mind. In your brain it is, right. not in your mind. So, so your brain's fluctuating moment to moment. When right. the fluctuations go in a direction I think is a good direction to reinforce, the game runs. Okay. Your brain's like, oh, something's happening in the world. That's interesting. So even though, like, I guess, so that was it. Like, like I didn't want to disengage from this and have a conversation with you, but that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Your brain still notices the changing stimuli, right. and it's going, oh, interesting. When someone, when I'm doing something, the game runs one way. When I do something else, the brain run, the game runs a different way. I like input, right. so let me try to move my brain in a way that makes the environment give me input. Okay, that, that clears it up. Um, so basically we rob it of input whenever it does things we don't want it to do, and it goes, hey, and tries to do whatever it can to make it come back. Okay. This is happening really in a quick time scale, right. you know, real low-key stuff, so it's just picking up the normal variability the brain would already do, and going, good job, and does certain of those things. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I so, don't need to try to do anything. Not only do you not need to try, trying has no real effect. Right. You know, it's really, I mean, I could have, I could simply have a beep happening. Beep. And nothing. No, no visuals, right. nothing exciting. Right. You could be ignoring it, working on your phone, it would still move your brain. Okay. The brain will notice a signal and bind to it, especially when the signal changes based on what the brain is doing. Okay. So. So, like, for people who are doing this at home. Yeah. Um, it's not something where you have to dedicate, like, let's say you have a 25 or a 30 minute session. Yep. You don't have to like isolate those 30 minutes. Like you said, you could do it while you're doing emails. Absolutely. Or... In fact, we have a training program where we bring laptops into corporate offices 
hook you up and you just do audio training and you keep working on whatever you're working on and you actually get into the zone deeper. Awesome. I'll hook you, leave the office, and let you work for a few hours and just be on fire. That's beautiful. So uh, we don't usually go for sort of state, more trait changes, but right. you can get a really sort of in the zone for some people. Right. Uh, people actually come into the office here and we'll work and then we'll hook them and close the door and give them the office for an hour so they can just keep powering through their work. Awesome. But uh, yeah, for the most part, um, you can do other things. I mean, the games, if you will, are more for compliance than efficacy. A simple audio beep would work. Right. But the games are fun and you get to sit and do, you know, kind of drive spaceships with your mind. Right. So if people enjoy it. And actually I could give you a joystick and you can actually steer this spaceship. Yeah. And your brain becomes the gas pedal and the music volume. Okay. Uh, so it's really about just getting you to do it. But uh, I could have it simple audio beeps with no change, just beep. Beep, and you can be ignoring it, and it would still drag your brain in one direction. Okay. So. Okay. I see. I see. I guess the reason that I was confused on that is my experience with neurofeedback, and we talked about this when you were on our podcast, was, you know, more of, of like with the muse. Yeah. And that's more of. You can control that, or, or it is more of like. Yeah, you actually can't, but the thing with those those dry headsets is there's so much noise in them that you can voluntarily add noise or remove noise. Okay, right. And so you can't control your brain waves, but you can remove the noise and make the game run or make the, make right. the thing sound. Like or if, if I disengaged from that and had a conversation with you, it would alter what was going on yeah. with it. Yeah, and so will this a little bit, but the right. things you're altering aren't voluntary. So. Okay, right. Well, so we're gonna do a, we're doing a short session, which you probably won't feel much. Uh, I have some crazy dreams tonight, if we push it a little hard, but um, we've done about uh, 12 minutes. We'll do another uh, eight or nine minutes. How or why does it impact dream state? It's a great question. Um, I'm not sure is the short answer, but I think that we are, I mean, there's lots of good evidence, research evidence, that neurofeedback upregulates plasticity. Okay. And the hippocampus has cells in it called place cells that fire when you explore new environments and learn environments. They know, oh, I've been here before, kind of selves. Um, I believe the, the kinds of dreams people have are showing up when you get an upregulation of plasticity factors in the hippocampus. Because the quality of dreams people have are these, I'm exploring an environment, I'm going somewhere, I've got I've to travel. And it's really very similar quality for many people. And so I think that travel is a hippocampal function, essentially. So this is an interesting. Alex and I both woke up this morning and, and first thing we said to each other was like that we both had strange and, uh -huh. and vivid dreams last uh -huh. night. Yeah. And you know, we're traveling, we had new experiences yesterday. So yep. is that, could that be very likely. why we both had dreams last very night? Very likely, yeah, yeah, very likely. Interesting. You, you did something to your brain to enhance plasticity or cause new environments that had to be learned. And then your brain, when you were sleeping, learned those environments. So. I mean, would it be fair to say that if you're not dreaming regularly, you're not doing things to enhance the plasticity of your brain? Not really, because it's only one of the ways it might show up. And also, many people don't remember their dreams, even though they have them. So they don't think right. they're dreaming, but, um, but people dream, even if they don't think they dream, right. you dream. Uh, if you don't dream, you're mentally ill, or you're depressed, or you have dramatic issues with your brain. Lack of REM is a very dangerous state. Right. Uh, so most people do dream, but are sleep deprived, and so think they aren't dreaming because they don't remember them. So this, this, when you work the plasticity up with neurofeedback, they're so strong that you remember them typically as well. Okay. So yeah, you, you and your in your travel guy uh, had increased dreaming probably because you were exploring your environments. Yeah. And if you were, you know, if it's twenty thousand years ago and you were hunting for food or fruit, remembering where things are is critical. Yeah, to right? survival. Right. Exactly. Um, less important traveling across the country in an airplane. Right. But it was so much new information, your brain was like, oh, I better integrate this as you slept last night. Um, so then you're, I guess, if, the, the way that this impacts dream state is more along the lines of the plasticity than it is manipulating brain waves? Because like, we know. Well, man brain manipulating waves brain waves upregulates plasticity, okay. it increases cortical plasticity, the likelihood of the cortex to change and fire is enhanced after a single session of neurofeedback. Okay. So you can see changes in cortical activity right away. Right. Within minutes of starting training, your brain's like, oh, and it picks up the signal, starts to change itself based on what's coming back in the screen. Within minutes, you can see it in brain activity. So your brain is, is learning or trying to learn right now. Yeah. And then when you sleep, it'll consolidate and do right. a lot of learning, and that's when the dreams will, may come out. Usually it happens between session like three and five for people, so you may not have that experience. But you might be somebody who's really plastic already, at which point this will enhance it even further. Okay. So. so what did you learn from your brain? How did you... 
I think I got validation that I have ADD. <laughs> I mean, you know, we all like to say that. Like, yeah, I think yeah. a lot of biohackers and entrepreneurs, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're very curious. We fascinate easily. Mm -hmm. We like to, you know, explore everything. Right. Um, and, you know, I've, I've always told my parents that I have ADD. They never believe me. They're like, you get too good at grades. I'm like, that's, but, but Dr. Hill said something very interesting. And I, I put this quote in my talk was uh, that it's only pathology if we force you to sit in a chair for eight or 10 hours right, and do right. nothing, right. Um, you know, I can get good grades with ADD. It's not a, it's not yeah, a disability, yeah. it's not a yeah. bad thing. Mm -hmm. It just means that's my default setting, that's how my brain works. Mm -hmm. And if we learn how our brain works, we learn our strengths and weaknesses, we can, we can set up our day and we can you know, do things that, that help us use that to our advantage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so that's what I learned that I, I produce. So QEEG is qualitative. EEG mm. and what they do is they they take your scan and compare it to a database for people of your gender and your age. Mm. So you're kind of looking at the bell curve. Mm. And this is the knock that uh, I've talked to some neurooptimal fans. Mm -hmm. If they have a negative about QEEG, it's that you're comparing your brain to the oh. midline of a bell curve. Mm. Right. So my brain is being compared to the the middle of a bell curve for young 30s men who know what EEG and neurofeedback is and have done it. Right. So, so it's quite skewed to be, to say the least. Right, right. So, but again, it gives you a baseline. It gives you a starting point. Mm -hmm, sure. Um, and, and I had one, I had two or three standard deviations higher than the norm of alpha brainwave activity. Mm. Right. The other thing that I did learn that is worth noting that I never really mentioned in the talk or, or yet today is that, that I had zero, uh, like there's no, there's no evidence of sleep issues. There's, mm. It was a healthy brain, so I have not had any like issues from concussions. Mm -hmm. But those are all things that you can pick up and spot mm. uh, on a QEEG if you do it with a trained practitioner. Right. And I don't know that that's something that you can get from neurooptimal. Right. But I'm yeah, not, yeah. not as familiar. No, no, I don't think you can. can. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, what would what, what um, do you know? What I don't know the answer to this is, is something I've been asking, and I just haven't found had the time to find out. But uh, neurooptimal, who do they have the baseline, or what do they compare it to? Do you know? I, I don't know. Because I, I, I need to find out. Because I mean, yeah, I, like if they studied some like uh, brain waves of uh, Zen meditative monk, and, <laughs> right, then, exactly. and then you're trying to direct it to that, right? Uh, and and I guess my my counter to that would be, you know, what if that's not my goal? You know, if that's if that's what they're using to say we want to steer you towards yeah, this, yeah, yeah. What, what if that's it's, not it's, my it's goal? It's a valid question. It's like, uh, what is it? Well, I mean, my understanding right. is that they've taken like, there's a four different programs it goes through mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there's different sort of, so, so that your brain sort of learns uh, yes. these different states. Yes. And that, uh, and basically the states they've gotten, like, I don't know, from a, like a super meditative Zen guru monk, and then like uh, some kind of person who is in the flow state of a sport. And, mm. and then you, you, the whole, whole idea is to direct the brain toward learning how to be at those states. Yep. Yep. And then if you do it long enough, you, you're, you are teaching your brain how to go there. Yes. And then, you know, that idea is that your brain in its sort of own wisdom then just it, learns how to kind of like why you do meditation is is uh often mm -hmm. you learn to sort of mm -hmm. but i don't i don't know exactly I, I should find out better it's very pavlovian in terms of like it's like training yeah. a dog like you're yeah, yeah. you're you're rewarding the behavior that right, you want right, right. And, and you're giving a slap on the wrist for behavior right. that you don't want um i am sure that neurooptimal has consulted with some, some sort of smart people. Yeah, some sort of database. <laughs> some <laughs> some uh, but I just don't know who or how. Yeah, yeah. I, I need yeah. to find that out also. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I sort of I sort of took it just that Dave Asprey said, you know, the best mm -hmm. biohack ever. So I thought, all right, I need to I need to look into this and got it and tested myself and that was sort of my approach to it. So like with but like with a lot of things I do, I don't necessarily recommend you to do it to do your own decisions <laughs> or yeah. what you end up doing but it is something I have done and I have found interesting effects from it and I, I'm still not like personally completely like sure what, what I think about it right it's like 
on some level, like like what you said, I think it's a good point. It's like, is that actually what you truly, truly want? Like, let's say you learn to be completely uh, sort of observing your own thoughts. Is mm-hmm. that something you always want to be doing as opposed to like more engaging in an emotional way with life, for right. example? As an entrepreneur, for example, if you need to make decisions, can you really start to question your, your decisions? Is, is it a good thing or? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, and I would say that I mean, it's it's neurofeedback is a tool in the toolbox. Yeah, that's and, and what I would say. It yeah, may not exactly. always be a tool for you, and even right. if it is a tool for you, like say yoga, for example, mm-hmm. not everybody likes to do yoga, and then people who do yoga, some like Kundalini, some like Vinyasa, yes, some yes, like Bikram. Yes. Yes, doesn't yes, mean yes. one's better than the other. It just means one is more appropriate for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for you. Yeah. And that's the that's the whole thing with biohacking is for you. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. I think absolutely. it's it's goal dependent and. So. But I think some things are better than others. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> Natural stacks, for example, or bulletproof. I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> no arguments here. No argument there. <laughs> Ambernine versus soil land. What, no, do, what would you say? No argument. <laughs> <laughs> Diplomatic answer. Uh, uh, I mean, like, I th- yeah. I uh, one of them was pulled yeah. pulled out of the shelves, and one of them is the made best out, in the world. Yeah, helps help people thrive every day. <laughs> <laughs> what can yeah, I say? The other one makes customers sick and got. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Just stating plain facts here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what, I, what I actually wanted to ask ask from you, Mikko. Yeah. Earlier was was uh, like like when you when you uh, got into into the practice when you yeah, when you, when you yeah. uh, got to try this for the first time you had already meditated right yes yes you were yes, already yes right. you so already had a meditation practice right I didn't feel like I was doing it for like some kind of Ill, illness or something like dysfunction uh, so when you hopped in mm-hmm. and and added this kind of if, if or would you even think of for you personally adding it on top of your meditation or yeah I like uh, the way I still use it is that. Sometimes I go to uh, you can come. <laughs> Sometimes I go to float tank first, do a meditation or relaxation, and then I do it. And the way I think of it is that is that it's just a like if I do meditation or if I do some kind of like recovery for my brain or some kind of why not do it amongst with you know this machine at the same time right. so like like if i would be meditating mm-hmm. now i don't just go somewhere in a meditation or do some meditation somewhere i just use the float tank or i use the or i could go to nature sometimes like mm. there's a park sure. close by it's a nice weather but uh so that's how i sort of think about it that it's just like you know like as a biohacker you're trying to f- upgrade your sort of practices and that's how I, I view the neuro optimal also. But it it still I do I have noticed some differences that when you when you do do it like this effect that you are sort of more observant of your thoughts. Like I, like I give the example of phone rings and you are like less impulsive. Often we sort of do things just like we feel like we're in the stress mode a little bit reacting to things. Yeah. And as opposed to thinking. Yeah, yeah. So as opposed to like, all right, is this really important now? Mm-hmm. Or, or it gives you this kind of like more of um, ability to just observe your reactions to life, yeah. as opposed to being just you know being react reactive to whatever happens. Yeah, keeping that monkey mind on a leash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's still like it has some kind of uh, like when I go float and I do the float tank, I feel like it's sort of a deeper form of meditation you get into mm-hmm. but with this neurooptimal it's still and that's the interesting thing like what you said about the neurooptimal is that it it, it it feels like I'm doing some kind of like a weird way in a weird way a different form of meditation or my brain feels different mm-hmm. in a way that I have not felt before so whereas the float tank for example was a very familiar feeling like it just feels like okay, this is something I'm used to. I just it's a, let's just like optimal conditions for it. But this one is like my brain feels a little kind of like I don't know if I would imagine if it, one person has never drank coffee and all of a sudden they take two cups of some strong, mm. uh, bilimitless, uh, new roasted, beautiful, amazing, <laughs> uh, a, a new brand coffee that they just came up with, and you would be like, oh my god, I feel different, 
right? I think that's with the neurooptimal. It's kind of like a, I had a. Well, that's that's the neurofeedback. Yeah. You have you have an external source, whether it's Muse, <clears throat> neurooptimal, <clears throat> whatever, and it's it is telling your brain, "Good job, keep doing this," yeah. or "No, don't do that." So it, it is it is providing a stimulus to to direct some brain waves. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, exactly. And you, by definition, you can't do that without the external hardware. Yeah. So if you're floating, you're not going to get that feeling right, because right. you don't have this computer that you're hooked up to yeah. sending, you know, pats on the back or slaps <laughs> on the wrist when yes. you when you think. So yes. yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. What, what, what kind of uh, have you felt your sort of ADD, ADHD symptoms go down or like this kind of inability to sort of focus or? Yeah. So I think I think being aware of it uh, certainly adds to my Already ability yeah. Uh, and, and that's just from the, the QEEG not mm -hmm. necessarily the, the neurofeedback I have not done enough uh, of the neurofeedback sessions okay, to really know, mm -hmm. um, you know what I'm talking about is I'm actually talking about how I have felt like after just living life right. how I compare that right. sort of so my understanding with, with neurofeedback is that it takes about two to three months yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've done it now like a year see, and a half. Right. So I don't have that much experience with it. I've only, I'm I'm at about a month out, month mm -hmm. and a half out. Um, right. So you know, yes, I think there is some some improvement in those states on a mm -hmm. daily basis. Right. But I don't know that the traits of my brain have been changed yet. I right, think that's a right. longer term. Thing. Yeah, it takes time. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like meditation. Let's start first. Well, have you guys done meditation? And and you said you tried then some kind of what kind of neurofeedback Danny, did you try? Oh, I tried the Bulletproof conference two years ah, ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which one? Which did they have there? Actually, it, I don't remember. Probably which had one the neurooptimal, I would think. Well, you, did you sit in a chair and recline all the way back? Yeah. With, yeah. That was neurooptimal. Yeah, neurooptimal. it's the same, it's same I have here. here. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 that's just, that's the only time I've ever done neurooptimal. Yeah, that's thing. that's the best I hear. Yeah. But no, so, I'm just joking. <laughs> but I heard there's a 40 years of Zen. That's something yes. I would like to try. I've, I've heard good things about that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I heard it's really, really intense. Mm -hmm. uh, I just saw some, or heard some podcast with it that you're <clears throat> just, just going to throw up after like one week. I, I don't know really what's, what, what's it all about. Do you, do you guys know about the well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah I, I, just, I just had an interesting uh, talk about this at the Biohacker okay. uh, Summit with Matthias uh, Ribing, the memory ah, master who, who did it. Cool. And, okay. uh, and uh, yeah, for him, him it was a really intense experience. He was telling that, you know, mm. it's, it's, it was, it was, a, it was a definitely worth it, even for, even for um, meditation naive people mm. who came there. Yeah, so. yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, definitely. I think the way I look at it is that if, you're, if you don't meditate, this could be like a huge shortcut to getting to uh, a, like uh, similar potentially similar results, it's kind of like. Well, I think that's why they call it forty years of Zen. Yeah, like exactly. The, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get like the, the benefit from that program is, is supposed that 40 to be forty years of Zen. <laughs> and yes, and I know, true. like the thing that made me want to pursue this neurofeedback thing was like my introduction to it was from Dr. Hill being on our podcast, mm. Optimal Performance Podcast, and he said, after the age of sixty-five we lose 10 to 25% of the structural density mm -hmm. in certain parts of our brain. This happens to every single human mm -hmm. except for one group of people. Mm -hmm. And it's people who have meditated for their entire life. Mm, right. So his neurofeedback, and, and neurofeedback, I guess, as he you know, defines it, has been shown to produce that same effect within right. two to three months. So 40 years is in, neurooptimal, yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, you know, regular neurofeedback, whatever you do is supposed to, you know. And it makes sense, it makes sense. It's kind of like if you, if you wanted to become a meditative, meditation guru and you went to a, you know, some monastery with a Zen Buddhist monk, and maybe, maybe that person could like look at you, no, Simon, no, you gotta like, I can see it from your forehead. You're not doing it right, you know. Yeah. Like you, have, you have to, you have to, you have to focus on the apple better in your mind's eye, you know. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, am I doing it right? Am yeah. I doing it? So with this one, it's kind of like a personal sort of coach uh, there all the time that goes inside of your brain and that sees what actually is happening. And then if something is not going to the right direction, it's like giving you immediate real-time feedback mm. of do this instead. And then measuring in real time how you 
brain changed mm -hmm. and how it reacted to then give you another input. So, so, so you could make it make sense in a way that if you have that kind of coach, that you would get faster results, kind of like in any sport or anything you do in life. So that's, I think, the idea, the way I look at also neurofeedback is yeah. that potentially you could have that kind of results. Well, that's what makes it a biohack. Is yeah, instead, exactly. Is, instead of having to spend 40 years or your entire life, <laughs> you can get the benefits in... In seven days and the 40 years is in, I think. It's the seven days. Is it seven days? Yeah, it's or, seven days. Uh, something like that. Or, or, you know, two to three months, but, you know... The 40 years is in, it's like a seven-day full-on... Well, so the thing, I guess, to take away from that is that the shorter you condense that lifetime of work down, right. the more intense it gets. Yes, and, and I mean, exactly. You still have to do some work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah. obviously, if, if people are, you know, if, if it's inducing vomiting, then yeah. <laughs> there's, there's some pretty intense work going on in those seven days. For sure. Well, and and, and the, what's different for NeuroOptimal is like, for example, NeuroOptimal, you have five sensors. So you have here and then these and then the earlobe. Mm -hmm. And so how much, how accurate is the data that you're getting, you know? Mm. Whereas four years is in, it's like you have, I think, 40 sensors all around you. So they're getting like mm -hmm. potentially much more accurate data all the time of how your brain waves are reacting and therefore they can, you know, tweak it, the input also much more efficiently and make it more effective. But on top of all these toys and practices and hacks and shortcuts, it, it all like it has to come down to the consistency. I mean like it's it's not it's not just the just the info the yeah. insight you get, but how you apply it. And, yeah, and I, I would so. I would I would also love to love to kind of uh, it, it would be really interesting to see uh, a statistic of, of, of uh, long-term meditators going through uh, what you just talked about, going through forty years of Zen. How did this change? Like what did they change in their practice? Like what would you, what were the practical implications of of those breakthroughs? Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a good. Uh... Oftentimes, we talked about we talked about the, this with you, Ryan. Like like so many biohacks, so many things that we we learn and we take in. How do we actually integrate those? That's that's the interesting thing. Right. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many hacks you can list or name if you're not using them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I agree. And there's certain ones that we, we did. We talked about this today where, you know, we, we drove, you know, it wasn't it wasn't inconvenient to go that far to the smoke sauna and the ice. Mm -hmm. But on a daily basis, you're really going to implement that as a cold shower. And if you have a sauna in your home or apartment, you're going to use that. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe it's not the quality of, you know, the, the traditional smoke sauna or you know frozen pond mm -hmm. where you can stay submerged but you can get much of the benefit you know and still fit that into your lifestyle and do it daily and then when you can go full on like we did today but that's a good question also and i think the one way i would answer that is like the way i think about what potentially is the benefit to really understand and hone it down to is kind of like number one is that meditation itself like what is it it's like when i started the practice is simply like being able to keep your mind focused on one thing mm -hmm. so let's say i'm focusing on a candlelight or like let's say in my mind's eye an apple and then what happens i'm thinking of the apple i see the picture and then all of a sudden i caught myself that i'm not thinking about it anymore mm -hmm. but there's some time that has passed between that i caught myself that i'm not thinking of it yeah, so what happened lag. at that time right so i'm thinking i'm not aware of my thoughts at that moment okay so that's one aspect of it then the other aspect of it is if we combine it to this idea for example that comes from personal development and self-help that you want to for example this idea that i think we all agree is that if whatever you focus on in life you manifest mm. so let's say we focused on i don't want to lose my business you know you're more likely actually to lose it perhaps because you're focusing on not wanting to lose it. Right. Whereas if you focus on, I want to make a million dollars, all right, or whatever. And then you set that goal, you focus on it, you visualize it, you try to manifest it and you trust it and you believe in yourself, you get it, right? So this kind of idea, or Amber Night becomes the best leading. It's already, but you make it better. So then what happens is that if you combine those two ideas well what if you have more capacity and ability mm -hmm. to be constantly all the time at every moment aware of where you are directing your thought 
and you combine that with this idea of personal development and having these kind of uh, sort of uh, mindset ideas, and you combine it with that idea that I am directing it the way I want it to a, some good cause or goal. That's, I think, where the power of meditation comes from, and that's mm. the true power of something like a neuro-optimal, neurofeedback. If it gives you the ability to become more and more aware of your thoughts and how you're directing it, versus living the life of, you know, trying to think of something, and then two years later you realize, oh shit, now I'm again aware a little bit. <laughs> bit of a lag there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But some people are like not so much thinking of their thoughts, and they are not so aware of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, no, it's more common than not. And, and, I, I, and I am. I mean, there's, not. there's an infinite number of quotes to that effect, but yeah. but. The thoughts in our head, the things that are going on up there, are inseparable from our experience of the world. So, if you can control that, mm -hmm. or, or do things to practice having the ability to control that, you now can dictate where your mind goes, and, and yeah. that's ultimately going to steer and guide your life. That's what exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, that's the like how you, of course, try to implement that training to your life is that you're trying to then. Then it, then, then it becomes a more interesting question, I think, also, which my, I'll pluck my little secret mission idea, is that once you have this sort of mindset already, like millions of people around the world have, that you know, we can, we trust our potential and realize that there's much more potential to us than we actually know even, mm -hmm. and we have started with these tools, then it's like, well, what is it that I want to direct it with? Yeah. Like, what is really important in my life? Like, what kind of values... I want to live by, what do I want to left behind, and what is it that is really important for me to do in this world? And that's maybe the secret mission. Yeah. Facing the profound questions. <laughs> and, and, and you have to write, read the book to find yours, no. <laughs> <laughs> when is it coming out? It's uh, next year. Next soon. year. Coming soon. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Can't wait to read it, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. Well, since this isn't live, uh, I'll point out that it's 6.30. Oh, uh, yeah. That's true. So I think yeah. that's a good, that's good, a good, ending. good, good ending. Good ending. Yeah, hey, definitely. thanks, guys. Oh, thank uh, you. I have a question for Ryan, actually. Thanks. Right. Super awesome. Um, what are your three tips? Ah, that's a good one. Oh, no, you can't ask me my question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. No, like, no, but, uh, yeah. From anything in life. You haven't the been to Europe uh, before, if mm -hmm. I understood correctly. You've been to Finland now. Uh, what can you, what kind of tips can you give to us Finnish people on living or most? Any <laughs> <laughs> or anybody, I guess. Or, or anybody, yeah. Three yeah. best, Ryan's three best, most important tips of living a good life. Uh, putting Ryan, really, really putting Ryan yeah. on the spot here. <laughs> so, so the the one common thread that I've seen. Uh, in, in any pursuit, you know, whether it's maybe not pursuit, but like, uh, like, like lasting um, experience, um, whether it was like, I, I was lucky enough to get to do seal fit with, with oh, some wow. Navy seals. Um, I've done uh, a lot of different things that, that have made big impressions on me. And, and I think it, it is something that we just said with, with talking about neurofeedback that the thoughts in your head are inseparable from your daily experience of the world and, mm -hmm. and your life's path. So I think, you know, the, the first tip would have to be something along the lines of, you know, just be aware of your thoughts, how you see the world, how you see yourself, um, you know, the things that you want to accomplish, you know, what's this cheesy saying, like, be aware of your thoughts because they come become words and your words become actions, mm -hmm. actions yeah, yeah, become yeah. character or whatever. Right, so, right. But, but I think that's it. It's, it's be aware of, of your, um, of your thoughts and, and, and yeah. how that, you know, impacts everything that you do. Um, you know, we, we talked today about gratitude and, we did. and you know, yeah, things yeah. like that. So, um, I think surround yourself with, uh, like-minded people, people who are, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Um, you run a business, mm -hmm. if, if you know more about your marketing, or if you know more about marketing than your marketing guy, you have the wrong marketing guy. Um, you know, so you've always got to surround yourself with yeah, better cool. people, uh, like-minded people, positive people. Um, I see that as a, um, you know, 
I, I would try to deconstruct what other successful people do. Yeah. And, and yeah, I don't know anybody who is successful for the long run that surrounds themselves with yeah. negative people who are, <laughs> who are consumers. The, the conversation that we had, yeah. like, are you a producer or a consumer? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so I think that's, that's, yeah, that's a sure. really easy thing to do, uh, you yeah. know, kind of audit the people in your life. Yeah. Um, are those two good enough that I don't have to come up with a third? <laughs> third. Uh, third one, or you, or you, you, you can take your time, but you might miss your flight. I know. So, so <laughs> for, for no a quick one, this, is, this one's nowhere near as good as the the first two. But I, but I think uh, you got you just have to pay attention to the stuff you put in your body. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. My, my degree is in nutrition, so I mean, I would you know, I would be glossing over a huge part of who I am and what I do if I didn't mention that. And you so, guys all. It's a big part of all of your lives. Yeah, I mean, sure. you guys made your own coffee. You made your own, you know, meal replacement, you know, uh, superfood. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. It, we're we're biohackers, and and you know, I make my own tinctures. You do, and and, <laughs> and that's I. So speaking of being in Finland, I mean, one of the things that I really loved about, you know, kind of I wouldn't say learning, but like being reminded of from you guys is is the importance of. Uh, natural foods, natural remedies, local stuff, and and that was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to formulate in my head like top takeaways from this, yeah, you know, yeah. to to write about it when I get home, and right. you know, there's if you look at like Native Americans and mm-hmm. you know Vikings and mm-hmm. uh, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine. I mean, for for centuries and thousands of years, people have been, you know, fixing their health with herbs and you know stuff that the earth gave us and um, you know, there, there's another saying. You know, if man made it, don't eat it. So that's good. So if if people were trying to find some good supplements, what would be a good company? To well, <laughs> I mean, I would have I'd to say, say Natural Stacks. Go check, go check Natural Stacks and your podcast. What is the podcast? Optimal uh, Performance Podcast. Uh, optimal Performance. Is it like a dot com? Optimal Performance. No, the the dot com would just be NaturalStacks.com. NaturalStacks.com. Um, we post the blogs. Um, with videos for those podcast right. episodes. Ah, okay, got it. Okay, um, yeah. But it's it's available on Stitcher, iTunes, oh, all, okay. the, all the podcast directories. Yeah. Yep. So go check out Ryan's podcast. Then we have Danny from Be Limitless. Is it .com? Oh, FI. Be Limitless.fi. You can actually get the natural stacks if you live here in Finland. Get the products from Be Limitless. That's true. I think that's the only place you can actually get them. I think so. And then Ambronite is my favorite go-to meal to, when I'm traveling, for sure. It's, you guys are doing a great job. So, yeah. Simo from Ambronite. Go check out Ambronite. So, I think that's it, guys. That's Thanks it. for watching. Thank you. Come Thanks back for watching. See. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. Big thank you to Miko at the Biohacking Center for capturing that conversation and helping us share that with you here on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Uh, also, a special thank you to Danny at Be Limitless, as you heard, our distributor in Finland for Natural Stacks, and Simu from Ambernite. Uh, great conversation with those guys. Uh, special thank you to everybody that I met in Finland, everybody that made that trip. Such an amazing experience. And a special thank you to Dr. Hill at Peak Brain, Derek, the rest of the staff there um, for the great experience and all the information that we've been able to share with you here on this podcast. So a couple more things for you guys. Make sure you go to naturalstacks.com. You can see the video version of this and get any of the links and resources to the uh, things that we've talked about on this show. Make sure you head to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, let us know how much you like the show. And of course, as always, share the Optimal Performance Podcast with anybody that you know who will benefit from and enjoy the things that we're doing here on the OPP. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next Thursday. 